Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Pastor Jasmine Smart, and I have been your bridge interim pastor for the last few months. But today I am here to help you transition to what is next for you. Today is also World Communion Sunday. So normally we would be in the Fort Street Sanctuary, the flags would be up, the table would be out, and we'd be together to celebrate communion. But because we are worshiping virtually, today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Our liturgists and our pieces of the service will be from all over the world, and we will be connected to the Presbyterian Church globally. Your preacher today is the Reverend Dr. Chip Hardwick. He represents the Synod of the Covenant, which is mostly Ohio and Michigan. So through his preaching, we will also be connected to our neighboring communities and churches. I encourage you because this is a communion service to have something close by, something to eat and something to drink, just ordinary staples of your own life, bread and juice, whatever that may be in your life. And please bring your hearts to worship as we begin this service. Thanks be to God. Nos reunimos desde el occidente y hasta el oriente, desde el sur y hasta el norte, para celebrar al Dios de paz que nos acompaña en nuestras acciones de paz. Este Dios de paz nos acompaña en todas las circunstancias que nos rodean. Le alabamos. Amén.
everybody. Welcome to the Delazine uh, dining room. I am Pastor Julie Delazine. I'm so glad you joined us today. This is Isaac and, and Jude. And Jude. And we are making Hoski today. Now, Hoski are just little rolls that are from my family's tradition from the Czech Republic. And my grandma taught me how to make these. And then my dad taught the boys how to make these rolls. Now, they're, they're just rolls. They're not probably really special to you, but they're, they're special to us. And we're going to share how you make them with you, okay? Okay. So first, you take some dough and then press it out flat and then cut it into three parts. I like to imagine it's a pie and you're splitting it with three friends. You take a part and roll it into a worm shape or a snake shape. And then do that with the other two. Takes a few, uh, takes a, like a minute, but it's a good workout on the arm. And once you've tried it, you'll know it's well worth it. Then you uh, take them, put them lined up with each other like this. And uh, mush their tips together a bit like this. Then once you mush their tips together. You put two together on the side and take the farthest one and braid it over. Then take the farthest one and braid it over and keep doing that until you don't have enough dough. Then you squeeze the end together like so. And then you have then you've completed the first stage of making a house one. Okay, so next you take your mashed up egg and your pastry brush and get it all soaked in egg and wash it on to your hosky like so. Then the traditional stuff to put on it is some caraway seeds and some salt. Then your hosky is ready to be baked. And then you have a delicious, scrum delicious hosky. And now we have the final product. Is it delicious? Yeah. It's pretty yeah. delicious. So today is World Communion Sunday, and as we eat this bread, I was thinking about the bread that Jesus shared with his friends to remind them of him. It wasn't really, you know, special bread, um, but it was special because they shared it together, and it helped them to remember that they were united in Christ, and that they could feel Jesus's love when they ate this bread. That's what Jesus promised them. And it also makes me think, this bread makes me think 
uh, of how we are connected when we eat the bread at communion, when we eat this particular bread, how we're connected with people from across time and space. We're connected with our ancestors, right? From Czechoslovakia, who taught us how to make this bread, who passed on that tradition. And when we share communion at the table, we are connected with people from around the world who eat the bread that Jesus shares with us. And so we give thanks for that on this World Communion Sunday. You ready? You guys have a big bite. Yum. Our New Testament scripture comes from the book of 2 Corinthians. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. So then, from this point on, we won't recognize people by human standards. Even though we used to know Christ by human standards, this isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake, so that through him, we could become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our Old Testament scripture is from the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah 43, verses 14 through 21. Listen now to God's word to you. The Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, says, For your sake I have sent an army to Babylon and brought down all the bars, turning the Chaldeans singing into a lament. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. The Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and battalion, they lie down together and will not rise. They will be extinguished, extinguished like a wick. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. The beasts of the field, the jackals and ostriches will honor me because I have put water in the desert and streams in the wilderness to give water to my people my chosen ones, this people whom I formed for myself, who will recount my praise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It makes a big difference how much time we spend looking forward and how much time we spend looking backwards. At least it does in Driver's Ed. I mean, it's important to look in the rearview mirror every once in a while, but most of the time we need to be looking through the windshield. After all, if we spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror, we're bound to run over something, maybe a squirrel, maybe a Cub Scout helping a lady across the street, or maybe the car in front of us. Now, of course, we do need to look in the rearview mirror from time to time. After all, we need to know where we've been, we need to know where we're coming from, and we need to keep a lookout at the car behind us because maybe the car behind us is spending so much time looking in their rearview mirror that the car that they are going to run over is ours. But in general, we want to spend much more time looking through the windshield than we do through the rearview mirror. I remember when I took driver's ed years and years and years ago, I remember the teacher telling us that we should look into the rearview mirror once every seven seconds, which seems like dangerous advice to give to a bunch of literalistic 16-year-olds. Five 1,000, six 1,000, seven 1,000, look in the rearview mirror, one 1,000, two 1,000, three you get the idea. Now, of course, the reason I'm talking about driver's ed is not because I recently got my first ticket in years, although I might have. No, the reason I'm talking about driver's ed is because the question that comes up there, how much time do we spend looking forward and how much time do we spend looking back is present throughout our scriptures. How much time should we be spending looking through the rearview mirror and how much time should we spend looking through the windshield? Now, the book of Isaiah begins in 
with the Israelites worrying that they're going to be taken into exile by the Babylonians, the global superpower to the north. Before long, they are. The Babylonians take them 900 miles away from Jerusalem. That's about the distance from Detroit to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, imagine walking to Oklahoma City in exile. Now, of course, while they're there, they are longing for things to go back the way they used to be. They are longing for things to be back as they were in Jerusalem. Now, by the time we get to today's passage, they are in exile by now in Isaiah 55, and they are worried about whether they will ever get to return home. And in the midst of this, Isaiah wants to give them hope, and he encourages them first to look in the rearview mirror. Here's what he has to say. The Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and battalion, they will lie down together and will not rise. They will be extinguished, extinguished like a wick. So Isaiah looks in the rearview mirror all the way back to the Exodus, all the way back to Moses and reminds them of, of how God brought them into the promised land by going through the Red Sea with the horse and rider of the Egyptians falling behind. Now this, of course, is music to the Israelites' ears. They look back at the Exodus and they are sure that that's the time when God was most at work among them. There were boils on all the Egyptian cattle and there were frogs everywhere and gnats and the river turned to blood. And as I said, the Red Sea opened up in front of them. I mean, it was like something out of the movies. And even though the scriptures don't tell us, I can imagine them looking back through the rearview mirror and thinking, boy, I sure wish things were like they were back then. But Isaiah doesn't look them through the, let them look through the rearview mirror very long. Here's what he says next. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you recognize it? In other words, Isaiah says, it's fine to look in the rearview mirror every once in a while, but you're looking in the rearview mirror way too much. You're going to get in a wreck. You're going to miss out on everything that God is doing for us now. God was our God in the past. God is our God now, and God will be God in the future. But if we keep looking in the rearview mirror and we never look through the windshield, we're going to miss all that God is doing. God has been faithful before. He's faithful now, and he will be faithful far into the future. So look through the windshield and not just in the rearview mirror. Now, as the years went by, the images that they saw through the rearview mirror, the promises that Isaiah had made them, got closer and closer and closer until they eventually came true. The Persians took over for the Babylonians. They were the next superpower. And the first thing that the Persians did was let the Israelites go home to the promised land. What God had promised them had been true. God said, look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you see it? And by then the Israelites could say, yes, we see it. We see that you have been true to your promise 
And we see that we need to look through the windshield if we're going to see it, not only in the rearview mirror. Now, fast forward 2,500 years to today, and I know you'll agree with me that the Israelites aren't the only ones who have a problem looking too much in the rearview mirror. So often, I think we do, especially during the pandemic, so easy to look back and say, gosh, I just wish that life would return the way it was back before March 15th and 16th when everything changed. But even without the pandemic, I think many of us look back at other times in our lives and think, boy, I sure was happier when I was in that, that old job that I really liked with the boss who was really great. Or we find ourselves thinking, gosh, I really miss this person is no longer with me, maybe due to a death or a divorce or a broken relationship. There's all sorts of ways we look in our rearview mirrors. And of course, one of them is that we look in the rearview mirror at church. One of my favorite people in the church where I served most recently, she was known to say, I love change until it actually happens. Looking in the rearview mirror and longingly wishing we could return to the days when we thought the church was doing its best. Maybe it's when we were growing up or maybe when we went through confirmation, maybe when we were first married or had our kids here. Maybe it was when an old pastor, our favorite pastor, was here. For many of us, it is easy to look in the rearview mirror and get so caught up with what we saw in the past. Sure, we're grateful for what God has done in the past, but we get so caught up in the past that we forget to look through the rear view, through the windshield to see what God is doing next. And it's funny that we do because psychologists are discovering that when we look into the future, we are often happier and less stressed. A scholar named Martin Seligman from the University of Pennsylvania had an article in the New York Times a couple of years ago, and he talked about his research that said the thing that differentiates us from animals is not cooperation, it's not higher level thinking, it's not so much tools. What sets us apart is our contemplation of the future. He said that's unlike any animal in all the animal kingdoms. In fact, he says we should not be called homo sapiens, which means the ones who think. He says we should be called homo prospectus, the ones who look ahead, the ones who look at our prospects for the future. Seligman quoted in his article a study that was done in Chicago where they talked to 500 adults at various points during the day. They called them ask them what they were thinking about and ask them whether how stressed they were feeling and how happy or unhappy they were feeling. Well, it turns out what they found was that people think about the future about three times more often than they think about the past. Think about that three times more often than they think about the past. I'm not sure they would have thought that if they had interviewed 500 Presbyterians. But the amazing thing was they found that when they asked them whether they were happier or sadder, they were much happier looking towards the future than they were looking at the past, and they recorded a lot less stress. 
these findings are important for you to be thinking about, I hope. And I think because it won't be long till Garrett and Sarah start, I think they actually start maybe tomorrow or maybe on Tuesday. And I haven't had the chance to meet them yet. I look forward to meeting them. I don't really know them, but I'm sure they are faithful and I'm sure they're creative and I'm sure they're kind. And I bet they come with some new ideas to your church. That's what happens when new pastors come. They've got new ideas. Now, of course, Garrett and Sarah are going to be smart about these new ideas. They're not going to implement all of them. They're going to talk to you first. They're going to talk to you about what might make sense. They're going to talk to the session. They're going to talk to the other staff members. They're going to get lots of input. But they're also going to come with lots of ideas. And they're also going to want to put some of them into practice. And so when they do, I want to encourage you to think about that study, that we're at our best, we're happier and less stressed when we're looking forward towards the future than we are when we are looking backwards into the past. And if you can't remember that study, maybe you'll remember the book of Isaiah, that God says, look, I'm doing a new thing among you. Now it springs up. Can't you recognize it? And if Dr. Seligman's study, and if Isaiah won't get it, maybe Winnie the Pooh will. One of his statements that is one of my favorites is, he says, I always get where I am going by walking away from where I have been. The book of Isaiah and Winnie the Pooh remind me of a couple of churches I learned about a few years ago. My friend Paul was serving two rural churches in North Dakota, they were yoked together, which means that one pastor served both churches. They both had about 20 people in worship before Paul got there. And at the first church, he got there and people were so excited that he was coming that they sat up straight in their pews the first day. They took a deep breath and they excelled and they sat back. And they thought, how great. This is going to be just like it was in the past when we had that last pastor. Paul's going to do everything for us. We're not going to have to do anything. And they didn't. They just looked through the rearview mirror and sat back, relaxed, and didn't really do any work for the church or to live out their faith. And after about two years, there were still about 20 people there. Well, at the second church, they told Paul that on his first Sunday, there would not be 20 people there, but there would be 40 people there. And Paul did not believe them. And because Paul was directly out of seminary, he told them that he did not believe them. And they said, you'll see. Well, Paul was sure there wouldn't be 40 people because he knew so many churches are like the first church. When a new pastor comes, they just sit back and wait for that pastor to do everything. So he was sure that was going to happen. But then the first Sunday came, and sure enough, there were 40 people there. And as the weeks and months went by, by the end of those two years, there were 60 people in worship by then, and they had started a Sunday school for children, and they had been reaching out to their community in new ways, and they had been doing all sorts of things that Paul never could have imagined. They were so excited that they had a new pastor that they looked through the windshield and they saw all the things that God would be doing. And when they saw those things, they lived into them. They weren't spending all their time looking in the, through the rearview mirror. They were looking square out through the windshield and were so thrilled 
but what they saw. Now back to the first church. The first church, of course, was disappointed and a little jealous that things had gone so differently at the second church. So they held a congregational meeting and they demanded that Paul tell them the difference, what was going on in the, in the second church and what the difference was between the two. And Paul said, well, you want to know the difference between the two churches? And they said, yes, tell us the difference. He said, well, it's not the pastor Now, I don't know what else Paul might have told them, but I know what Isaiah would tell them. Isaiah would have told them, stop looking through the rearview mirror so much. Look through the windshield. Look forward at what is coming. And I know what God would tell us. Look. I'm doing a, now, a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Can't you recognize it? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We come now to a time of offering. We know from the Psalms that the earth is the Lord and all that is in it, the world and all those who live in it. And so today for our prayers of the people, we will be hearing from prayers all around the world. Other announcements, we come to this time of offering and dedication. So we encourage you to continue to give at fortstreet.org backslash give. But we also know that this time of offering is meant to give of our entire selves, that as we are fed with the body of Christ, we are nourished so that we can give back. The message version of Romans 12 verse 1 says, God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And so we do that as we come now to the Lord's table to be fed by him. God is merciful, loving, and caring. All power and authority is his. We thank him for what he is. We ask for his mercy upon all people who are suffering. Lord, help the leaders of the USA 
to gain your wisdom in making decisions concerning COVID-19 recovery, recovery of health for the people and the economy. We pray for all people in the United States that you deal successfully with this shocking COVID-19 pandemic. We pray for all those doing unnoticed jobs that keep your communities going. We pray, Jesus, that you pour your Holy Spirit on Madagascar to enable us to overcome this pandemic, Jesus. May our spirit provide guidance for our leaders, strength for the doctors, help for the needy, wisdom, peace, faith and hope for Malagasy people. May he save Zimbabwe and all countries where people are victims of corruption and bad governance. We also pray for racism to come to an end so that people may live in peace and harmony. We also hope to have more good politicians who will fight for truth, justice, reconciliation between majority and all minorities in our country. Pray that the leaders of Jamaica will gain godly wisdom to govern over all our fears, COVID recovery, the economy, crime, and corruption. Saludos desde la frontera de México y Estados Unidos. Estoy muy agradecida porque a través del tiempo hemos podido ver esas relaciones que se han formado de hermanos de diversas partes del mundo. Entonces creo que esa unión muestra lo diverso que puede ser el amor de Dios y que no hay estándares. We pray for all people that they are joined and supported by the words of gospel and find ways of understanding to each other despite the differences in political views, despite the different education level, sexual orientation or lifestyle. We pray for the Presbyterian Church in the United States so that God may bless your prayerful discernment, vocal advocacy and bold actions toward combating and overcoming racism and discrimination within and without the Church. As this commitment is a sign of the power of the gospel and an example for us to follow. We also humbly ask you to pray for the ECCB future decade decade of difficult decisions in our church connected with the changes in financing of our congregations and also connected with the decrease in numbers uh, of church members all over Europe. Quiero pedir para que cada iglesia pueda reunirse nuevamente y poder compartir ese amor y esa unión con cada uno de los hermanos y romper fronteras, romper barreras porque al fin podemos estar unidos nuevamente. Pray with us so that we are ready and empowered to live 
out together the bold vision for the Church, which our Synod formulated as a part of the strategy of serving among and with our Roma community. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, our Church as a sign and agent of God's Kingdom will be a Church of personal and social transformation, a community where, irrespectively of origin or race, people can experience the welcoming, reconciling and healing power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. 사상과 이념의 분단으로 단절된 민족의 땅이 서로 오가는 길이 되게 하여 주시옵소서. 이제 사람이 나뉘어 분단된 한반도가 자유로운 왕래를 하고 희망으로 하나 되고 그리고 주님의 아름다운 땅으로 엮어져서 이 민족이 새하늘과 새 땅의 희망으로 차오르게 하여 주시옵소서. 둘이 하나 되게 하시는 예수 그리스도 이름으로 기도하옵나이다. 아멘. Help us to challenge short-sighted greed. Help us to address unjust structures and practices and to change our relationship with creation to one of care. We affirm our guardianship of the precious gift of creation. We have a vision. We have courage. We have your guidance. We have the presence of the risen one whose power to love is greater than all the power of destruction. Grant that together we may bring peace to our planet Earth, to its many creatures and its many people. We lotu in the name of our God Creator, Redeemer, and Life-Giving Spirit. Amen. Nyanya Turaikuna, Señor Parsenal Mancaya y Kusunjis, Kusiska Causa Sunjis. Esta é a mesa para a qual Jesus nos convida. Vamos participar com alegria. Talanta Mesha, Cristo te ajeitou. Como a Jesus Mesa? Ha, enya ne ne gendabe. Nenya mo ilumina. Vou abendibe. Esta é a mesa a la que Jesus nos invita. Participemos de ela com alegria. sementes já começa a germinar uma árvore da vida com seus frutos no pomar assim é a natureza vida abundante a brotar é Jesus quem põe a mesa e nos convida a cear água que se torna vinho terra onde nasce o Segue o caminho da perfeita comunhão, água que se torna vinho.
terra onde nasce o pão, povo que segue o caminho da perfeita comunhão. Damos gracias por este pan, fruto de la tierra, del trabajo, regalo de la gracia de Dios. Lo partimos y lo compartimos haciendo memoria de las palabras y las acciones, los gestos, las miradas, los silencios y la vida entregada del Maestro de Nazaret. Damos gracias por el fruto de la vid, por la alegría de la comunión, por las alianzas que perduran en la búsqueda de la justicia y plenitud. Tomamos de la copa sintiéndonos parte de ese pueblo comunidad que renueva su pacto por la vida.
And now, O oh God, on this World Communion Sunday, when we celebrate the whole world coming together at Christ's table, to know your grace and to feel your presence, we pray together, joining across time and space, in the words you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Papa no kino siella, si puyo respecti no. Danos hoy nuestro pan de cada día. Perdona nuestras ofensas, así como también nosotros perdonamos a quienes nos ofenden. Amen. 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 Thank you.